Welcome to Beyond the Veil, a Restored Gospel Podcast. Welcome. I'm Mike Barrett. I'm Corey Stark. We are two friends having casual conversation about the things of eternity, and we welcome you to join us in that conversation as we strive to look beyond the veil. Been out of town for 10 days, just got back, uh, met up with Corey last night. We had some conversation about what we wanted to talk about today, but um, it was interesting. Uh, I just I just uh, went home, and I thought about that word home. Uh, I went back to Ohio for some time and spent some time where I was born and where I lived until I was about 25. Um, and on the way back, uh, as usually happens, I go back about once a year or so. Um, my grandma still lived in Ohio and she lived in a town of about 1500 people her entire life for 95 years of her life. She was born there and grew up there. She knew everybody. She was a connection for me to that little town. Um, it's interesting when you watch TV shows or things like that. Uh, there's a common theme where you know the the athlete or the star of the high school is just I just got to get out of this small town and get out of here. There's nothing here for me, and I just never understood that because like everything was there for me. I loved growing up in a small town, and um, it was amazing to me. It was uh, you know I I remember calling my high school ten. 15 years after I graduated, I needed some transcripts sent for a class I was taking. I was going back to school and uh, the secretary answered the phone. She goes, oh, Mike, how you doing? You know, and she remembered me. She knew my grandma and we we talked about uh, <laughs> that was just to me. That's that's pretty cool. So I'd never wanted to leave. But um, when I go and even though I've lived here in Missouri now for uh, I don't know, I moved here in 95. So. 05, 15, 24 years. I still say I'm going home. And I was thinking about that word home and what we use that word for. What do we, that word home has so many meanings for different people. Um, you know, we say, you know, my home, my house where I live now is, is a place that my wife and I and my son have memories. You know, we, we put things on the shelf to remind us of trips. We put up pictures. Uh, it's a place where we uh, return to every day. Uh, we go out into the world and we come back home. Or we ask each other what time we'd be home. It's just an interesting word. So why would I use that word on a trip to Ohio, which a place I haven't been, you know, living in for 24 years? And uh, as as there's a certain place where you turn off I-75 highway and you get on this road, it starts to go into the country. And about that time, every time I start feeling this this uh, tightening in my chest, uh, this welling up of memories. And I started to really analyze these feelings like, what am I, you know, why do I feel that way? Am I, I feel this longing, you know, this longing for a time when I lived there. My wife and I were talking about it and she said, maybe it was a more innocent time. Uh, it was a time when you thought, um, well, certainly when I was there and younger, I didn't experience the loss that most of us come across in this life all of us come across at some point in time when we lose people we know and they die and move on and uh, the world becomes a little bit more lonely I guess as, as people move on but um, I was thinking of that word home and how important that is and of course I started thinking about the eternal nature of home and what we are created for and um uh, I know, you know, if a fish lives in water, if he took that fish out of water, he would be longing with everything he had uh, to get back in that water, to be in that environment because uh, he can't live without it. And it's interesting. I think each one of us inside has a longing to be in the environment that we are created for, and that's to be in the presence of our God. Yeah, you know, I grew up in Michigan, and the fact that you grew up in Ohio and I grew up in Michigan and that we could still be great friends. You know, there's, that's the power of, of the Lord right there. But, um, you know, for me growing up, I had similar feelings going back home. You know, at the time, home was sometimes more more the house, more the, the feelings, you know, the warm fire in the winter I could always count on or the wonderful meals mom made or the time at, 
holidays when people were together and and it doesn't necessarily matter who your family is or what they did but just those memories just give you this sense of um you know a purpose and a place where you belong and and you know i moved out here in my 20s as well and live in missouri now but going back home was always special and, and you know things change people grow up and move away like like we all did and and you wonder if any of those people are still back there and you realize that their lives have moved on too but those those feelings were special in those years and so when i lived lived out here in the midwest um my wife and i got married we've been married over 30 years now and she grew up in a situation where her dad's work had them moving often and she lived in multiple places and was never in one place for a year or two and when we had been married you know seven or so years um, we had this idea of building a home and we did we built a house actually that that became our home for many years and i remember her commenting she said you know this is going to be my feeling of home now because she never had a certain place that she identified with as home because she was always moving and it was really special not the fact that it was just a place where we were going to live and have some permanence but that we built it too but and it was it was the house and it was the feelings that went along with that and bringing home children you know babies into the world and raising them in that in that house was was special but we don't live in that house anymore although i still have memories of that being home i still have memories of michigan being home but i've realized that anymore um you know there's there's nothing permanent in this world and uh, i've realized now for me where my family is, I've decided that's home. You know, when we're together, that's that's the feeling that brings that that peace back. And uh, you know, we don't tomorrow's not guaranteed for any of us uh, in, in the sense of of life and and uh, the the uncertainty of, of life from day to day. But um, but to know we have a family on this earth brings us that feeling of home. And the fact that the Lord has told us He has a home for us. You know, a lot of people talk about heaven and, and that the Lord will bring us home someday. And, and scriptures talk about that. Uh, I was reading recently in the Book of Mormon how the Lord even uses that word home to describe uh, this time of uh, life on this earth when this ends. In the Book of Alma, chapter 19, uh, Alma shares, he said, it was made known to him that the spirits of all men, as soon as they are departed from this body, the spirits of men, whether they're good or evil, are taken home. It uses that word home to God who gave them life. And, you know, when, whenever you go home, there's this familiarity like, ah, oh, it's, it's the familiar, it's, it, it brings back the memories. And, and I've wondered if the heavenly realm will have that feeling suddenly where it's like, oh wow, this is where I was meant to be all along, where I thought I was living wasn't my home, and, and this is now. And the, the fact that he uses scripture, he uses the word home in scripture to describe the place where he's gonna welcome everybody back. You know, I, I just think that's a powerful connotation. Yeah, I, I had never looked up the word home or done a scripture search on it. Um, so that was interesting when you told me that, uh, that it's there. Uh, how that was used in that scripture. Um, you you said home is where your family is, and I gotta say, for me, you know, I spent you know, three or four days in Ohio, and then we we traveled up to Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I gotta Good say, for you. yeah, yeah. I, I can, <laughs> that was a spiritual experience. I'm oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think I'll ever root for the Wolverines, but I gotta say <laughs> that being a Buckeye, that. Um, it was such a beautiful, oh, such a beautiful country. And I'd never been farther north than uh, Frankenmuth, you know, than I think my mom and dad had, t- had taken us there when we were younger. But that was that was about it. Um, but we, we took a good drive all the way up to the Upper Peninsula. It was beautiful. But the whole time we were gone, um, you know, my wife and my son were in the car with me, and it was wonderful being with them. But I still had this longing, this uh, loneliness uh, inside of me. Mm. And um, I'm always one to analyze, like, what's going on and why to try to get to the bottom of it. And I was trying to figure that out. Part of it was the fact that I, I was, you know, somewhere, I was away from independence where... Um, where my brothers are, where we have conversation about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that kind of brought us to something else we, we touched on last night and we got together. I couldn't wait to see you, Corey, uh, <laughs> at Starbucks yeah. after being gone for, uh, you know, 10 days because I've missed our talks about 
the Lord. Yeah, and me too. Exactly. We're all wired different, right? And my wife is is so balances me uh, in such a great way, but she is she's not one to you know, sit there and talk all day about the intricacies and the, the things of the gospel. She just is, just has a simple faith and, and we do have conversation, but, um, but not like you and I do. And that's, you know, probably with priesthood and things, there's a difference there. If we're always questioning things and trying to figure them out. But anyway, I was lonely. I missed those talks. And so it was interesting when, when I left Ohio and came to independence and a, a friend of mine, uh, Adam, uh, he had left his home and came to independence and, and we had never met each other, but, but we, we were here for one purpose and that was to be, uh, part of the youth missionary corps and to go out and travel around for a year and another time for another story. But, um, it was interesting that year we would periodically come back to independence in between, uh, you know, California and Oklahoma and Texas, wherever we were going next. It was interesting as we got here, this place started to feel like home to me. Mm. And it was because of the people here. Um, and now when I leave, um, I do feel, I do feel lonely. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. I remember that feeling too, even in the college years I had when, you know, when I was a student there and living in the dorm, all of a sudden getting back after vacation, it was great to be with my family. But then all of a sudden I, I felt like I had a connection with the, with my peers and people on the dorm floor and everything and friends on campus and, and you know, there's, there's, it's so much more than just the place you live. It's the relationships, it's the connections that you have with people in those places that I really think bring meaning to life. You know, it's, and that's what, that's what we long for that, that meaning, you know, um, there's another scripture in the, in the book of Mormon where it uses home again, but it's in a, another context and it's Jesus words. He's talking about a day to come when a, when a great work commences you know the word commence means to begin mm -hmm. but it it talks about in jesus uses the words in the rlds version of the book of mormon third nephi chapter 10 he says there's a there's a time coming when a great work will commence with the father among all nations in preparing the way whereby his people may be gathered home to the land of their inheritance and and this is speaking of people who've been scattered around the world and and i think that there's a there's a physical sense to this in that he's designated lands that were Israel's he's designated lands that were Joseph's you know their their lineage has the deed to these lands physically but there's a I think as importantly or even more importantly it's the spiritual sense of gathering in that people who didn't know that God was watching out for them and God had a plan for them they find out that they're part of this covenant and that restores them to this feeling of home with with God to find out, wow, you know, God is our protector. And the scripture uses military terms. He was our, our rearward. He was the one who protected us from behind. He led us from in front. He gathered us back, um, not to just give us a place to live, uh, but, but to feel like we have a sense of belonging to him. And all those who will call upon his name, not just people who are born into a certain bloodline or a lineage, as the scripture uses, but that his his plan is to gather the nations to him spiritually, all who will call upon him and have them have this sense of, of home. That same, you know, and I and I think it's interesting, Mike, this conversation that we're even having about home, in that it doesn't matter that your home was in Ohio and mine was in Michigan or I lived in Iowa for a while or, or Missouri, and, and how that feeling of home, wherever it is, for whoever it is, can be different in our different walks of life. But we all can relate to it in the same way because somehow we're created to have this need to have this sense of home. And, and maybe that's a, a common condition that is just part of this absence, this separation from God is that we, we think we're even home at times and yet we're not because our, our life in this world isn't complete without him. And so that there's this inborn need to feel home and we, can, we all know what it's like when we're home. We all have that feeling. But yet there's a, a greater level of being brought home that I think he has waiting for us to understand, you know, in, in a day to come. If, if we don't address that or if we don't really sit down and dissect what that feeling is, um, we may never recognize it. But I believe that there's a longing placed in the human heart and 
uh, you can look around society and see people try to fill that longing with so many different things. Mm-hmm. Right. When we don't recognize what that is and what we're created for, and that is to be in an intimate relationship with our Creator, it right. says to know, you know, to know me and, and my Son is eternal life. Mm-hmm. To know me, which means to have this intimate connection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the scriptures, that term to know, you know, like Adam knew Eve, they had this intimate bond, you know, husband and wife, to know the Lord intimately in that way. Yeah. That's what we're created for. And people just get into all kinds of trouble when they don't recognize that. And they just try to f- to fill these longings and things with so many other um, with so many other things. When I, uh, I, t- I said that my grandma continued to live in Ohio even after I left, up until last uh, year, uh, not last December, but the year before that, she passed away. And we all went back to, uh, to Bradner to, uh, f- for her funeral. And it was interesting when uh, I went <laughs> when I went home back to Independence from Bradner, uh, driving down that road to get on the interstate. I realized that it would never be the same. Mm-hmm. That that mm-hmm. Uh, driving that road, I was going back to a place where she lived in her house and where we had spent every Christmas Eve. Um, you know, from the time I was a baby, um, right, right, where I'd spent. Uh, where I'd, every Sunday night after church, you know, I would sp- I would stay the night with my grandma, my sister and I mm-hmm. would until we were old enough to stay alone. And she would tell us stories of the gospel and of the early saints and these magical, mysterious stories of God's supernatural power just, just infused me with uh, faith and a longing mm-hmm. for something greater that this world just never... And she, she did so much. She, she'll never know. She, maybe she knows now how much she meant... Um, but when she was gone, I realized that that place, even though I still say I'm, you know, I'm going home to Ohio was not uh, part of that was gone. Um, Mm -hmm. the other thing is I have a friend that lives there and he's got a beautiful piece of land, Corey, just uh, acres out there. And I, through high school and college, I, I, I don't know how many nights I stayed at his house with his parents when he was living with his parents. And then he bought, or he built a house on the property there and, um, you know, we would uh, we would build fires at night and we would sit out under the stars and just talk about life. And, you know, I was 18, 20, 21 years old. Um, I had no I had an idea of what I wanted in life, but, you know, I was. I hadn't gone through the mundaneness, I think, yet. You know, your right. whole life's ahead of you and exciting. And then once right. and you, you haven't had to pay bills and fight right. the stress of life. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the amazing thing of childhood and those years. Is that <laughs> I think that's why they're special, too, is because, you know, the, the stress of just living hasn't become the reality yet. And you're living with someone else taking care of you. And you're living mm-hmm. with conditions that sometimes uh, don't exist beyond those years but they they help add to the mystique i think of that uh, those early formative years of yeah home. yeah and you have a list of things in your mind that you're supposed you're supposed to accomplish according to what the world says you know go to school find a career find someone to mm-hmm. marry have mm-hmm. children you have a list of these things and as you start to uh mark those things off your list mm-hmm. you realize that um well, where am I at right now? I've, I've done these things and now I'm, I'm, uh, you, you fall into a pattern where you go to work every day and we say life becomes mundane. Um, you start to wonder, why do I still have a little bit of this emptiness, this longing inside for something more? Um, and that's because you know, as we've talked, we're, we're created for something more. And so mm-hmm. my longing this last trip was... You know, I, I miss those times sitting under the stars. Um, you can never recapture those times. Yeah, yeah. But at the time, that was all there was. And I missed having that meet all of my needs, I mm-hmm, think. Mm-hmm. You know, a Friday night under the stars with my buddy, yeah, roasting hot dogs, yeah. talking about life. That was that met my need at that time. Right. And, and even though I believed in the Lord and, and, and everything, that was all I needed. You're right. That doesn't do it for me anymore. Yeah, and and as we said on this last trip, we you know we looked at the waters and the lake and took boat out and and looked at all of these marvelous things the Lord created, but even on vacation, it's like that doesn't do it for me anymore. Mm. That doesn't fulfill my innermost, and I believe that there's something else, and there's only one thing that'll fill it, and that is 
uh, just an intimate relationship with Jesus because mm. that's what I was created for. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, there's a there's a flip side to some of this in that part of of that growing process is leaving home. And, and in fact, uh, we're told in multiple places from Genesis and, and in the New Testament that uh, a man is he's told will leave his mother he'll leave his mother mother and father and cleave unto his wife and they'll be one flesh you know he his commandment basically is that you know this young man eventually is going to leave what he knows his home and create his own home and um, that's part of this growth process i suppose um you know the the things that we experience in the world cause us to uh sometimes change our view you know i've i've, I've known young men my peers who who went off to serve in the military and um, whether or not that young young man hopefully returns back to his home that boy who left never returns you know he's he's a different person because of what he's experienced the 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 man the, the boy may come back to his hometown but the boy never returns you know and um, how in life for some reason it's it might just be the whole type and shadow of this world, the fact that, hey, we, we had to leave the heavenly realm because of disobedience or for whatever reason we want to call it in Scripture, that there was growth that had to happen and that when we return, we're, we're different because of it. And this this whole life of being separated, and, and as you just described you know, beautifully, this what fulfilled our need at the time isn't always what fulfills our need later. And in this life, you know, we find we're content at some point in life with, you know, we've got money and an income and, and a family and certain things, but, but no one, I know, even no matter how much money they have ever seems to feel like, well, they're perfectly satisfied in this life. You know, it doesn't ever seem like there's a, there's a, there's a point where everything's complete. And that is this longing I think that whether we acknowledge it or not, to be back into what was our original home, wherever that is, but we had to grow somehow in the process of being here. Uh, Timothy Keller said in one of his talks that everything we love in this world, everyone, every person that we love is either going to leave us mm. or we're going to leave them. Mm. I was uh, I was uh, online today in a place that I go for him and uh, it's uh, Christians um, this guy said Job had been a real um, strength to him recently because his wife's in the final stages of cancer mm. and that just my heart just tightened because when you read that you know that that's coming for every one of us right um, that's something very hard to deal with the thought that everyone that you love is either going to leave you mm. or you're going to leave them mm. And so we could ignore that and ignore the longing that we have inside, or we can maybe use that as, see it as what it's for. It's a, it's a blessing. It really is a blessing. Um, when, when I was standing on the beach there in Michigan and then looking at the beautiful blue waters, uh, there's a longing that wells up inside. And you have to think, you know, if you really think about that, why? Mm. Why would... Uh, beholding something with my eyes cause this intimate feeling deep down inside. Mm. Why would it cause this emotion? I'm, I'm looking through the optic nerve. It's processing <laughs> uh, a sight and colors, and yet it does something within me. Mm -hmm. I believe that those that beauty is just a glimpse, and it tells me that I am made for beauty. Mm. Mm. But I'm not made to leave beauty. Mm. And so... As you behold this beauty, there's a there's a bit of pain that's associated with it as well. Because mm. at least for me, I'm very much aware that I have a limited number of minutes to stand there. Right. And even as I'm beholding this beautiful lake, I know in my mind's eye that an hour from now I'm gonna be in my hotel room. Mm -hmm. A day from now I'm gonna be on the road, and two days from now I'm gonna be back at work. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's all present with me at the same mm -hmm. time my eyes are processing this beautiful scene. Mm -hmm. And that's not how we're we're put together to leave that beauty, mm, mm. I believe. And I believe that that those moments really um, speak to something deeper that we're created for. Mm. You know, this um, 
words of Jesus in the Book of Mormon come with such beauty and clarity. I was reading recently when you, what you just touched on with we are created for something else, and there's a there's a commandment that we read in the New Testament. At least it seems to be a commandment where God says, "I, you know, you're commanded to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven." But in the Book of Mormon, it's stated differently, and and I like this because not to get into the Hebrewisms and things, but there's a beautiful chiasm of Jesus' words where the, where the words are repeated and, and the ideas are shared. And there's a statement that Jesus says, he doesn't say, I command you to be perfect. He says, I will that you would be perfect. So Jesus says something in the Book of Mormon that brought a new understanding or new um, aha moment different from the New Testament, it says, I will that you be perfect. And when you compare that scripture to some other scriptures that form this beautiful structure of chiasm, as we call in in the Hebrew poetry, in the verse, how certain ideas are repeated over and over, where he mentions, I will that you be perfect, it matches in other places in scripture where he talks about the kingdom. And he talks about uh, that he wants anyone who will come to him to to have life in this kingdom. And when he says, I will that you be perfect, I don't think it was implying that, hey, you're going to figure out how to be perfect in this life. I mean, if it was that easy, why would we even need a Savior, right? But, but more to the point, I think what Jesus was saying was something more beautiful in this, I want you to know what it's like to live in perfection he said that's what he compared it to so you can live as my father in heaven is perfect in other words to experience this whole uh, life now will never be complete but he said i want you to experience this completeness i have for you in this perfect world and and that's what it really will mean to be home with him someday that's what it's going to be all about is that this incompleteness of this life is finally fulfilled in a way that we can't dream of. We can't imagine it right now. And that's what he wills. That he's saying, hey, I want you to experience this perfection. I want you to experience this life that you, your eyes have never seen, your ears have never heard, your, hasn't come into the thoughts of our heart yet, what that feeling of home is going to be like when we're with him again someday. That When you speak about that, that... Reminds me of, uh, you know, time and what a cursing and a blessing, I guess, for now that time is. And we, maybe we've talked about that before, but um, that um, I believe that, you know, that when we are in eternity, you know, time is no more. And there's not this passing where you have moments of loneliness. I, I believe that this presence is always, it's just always there for all time. And... There will be no more uh, ebb and flow of emotions or loneliness, but and I, 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 I would be a fool to think that I can explain that with words. Right, but right. my mind's eye sometimes I can go there and and have a catch, catch just a glimpse of that. But to me, that would be um, be fantastic. There's a scripture in Alma 16, and I wrote my Book of Mormon next to this that. Um, the word home, because this reminds me of it. It's, uh, you'd have to wait, you know, I won't go into it in too much detail, but just this one scripture in 171 talks about the tree and the tree is mentioned several times in the scriptures. Um, this tree of life, um, it's, it's, well, I'll just read it here. It says, um, because of your diligence and your faith and your patience with the word and nourishing it, that it may take root in you behold by and by, you shall pluck the fruit thereof, which is most precious, which is sweet above all that is sweet, and which is white above all that is white, yea, and pure above all that is pure. And ye shall feast upon this fruit, even until you are filled, that you hunger not, neither shall you thirst. Mm. To me, that describes more perfectly than I ever could in words what mm. it means to be home, that you shall hunger not, you shall thirst not. Your soul is filled. And, and I, I try to picture Alma, who's had this revelation of what this is, you know, this fruit, trying to put it into words to get it across to other people. And, and it's just, it just seems so sweet to me that he's 
you know, he's trying to be poetic here and he's just saying, you know, it's it's white above all that is white. Mm. Imagine whiteness or pure above all that is pure, mm. sweet above all that is sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's he's trying to put human words to something that uh, is only revealed to us by the will, you know, by the Lord. That's that's home to me. Um, and we we touched on this last night. Uh, I mentioned a sermon that we had at one time. Uh, Carl came out and talked. He said, uh, you know, do you enjoy being in the presence of the Lord right now? And if you don't, then that's a problem because in the end, that's all there is. Mm. And so if I'm not looking forward to this word picture here, this tree, this fruit, that's sweet and white and pure, if I'm not looking forward to that now, and if, if my whole life is not centered around uh, wanting to have that and partake of that, then I'm in trouble, and mm. uh, there's room for growth. Mm. Um, even talking about this and thinking about this today, I was so busy that uh, I didn't give it a second thought, and I thought, why you know, why is there a battle every day where the, the world becomes more important than this? Because it, that just can't be, you know, there's... Nothing is more important than that. Mm. You know, this um, this life, I, I, it was something else I think we talked about recently, Mike. This scripture in Matthew 25 keeps coming back to mind how he's got the nations before him and he separates us one on one hand, one on the other, into the people on his right hand, how he... He says, hey, blessed are you. You're going to have place in my kingdom because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you gave me something to wear. And, you know, when I needed a place to stay, you know, you let me in. Or you came and visited me when I was sick. And then, of course, as we know, the response, well, when did we see you in this way, Jesus? And he says, well, when you did it to someone else. And to the people on his left, they apparently had done works in his name. They had prophesied, and, and yet they didn't find the place on on his right hand well what's interesting is the people on his right hand seemingly in pursuing serving other people somehow not only found the reward but they they found god in that and people who tried to pursue god only but never saw the human needs around them somehow missed the point and missed the prize and a friend of mine recently was suffering with some uh, serious health uh, just challenges in life. Um, we we were talking and was wanting to to just help and you know taking meals and just trying to be a comfort and and this person was sincerely moved by this to to the point of of tears that someone would reach out and help and I said, you know, we're all just walking each other home, you know, in this life, and that. If, if we can't reach out and, and, and serve each other in this, we're, we're never going to find this eternal home. The, the scriptures kind of indicate that. And so somehow between this point in our life and this future day when we all hope we can be found at God's right hand, that to, to get there is to actually find the path to the Savior is to look all around us and find the people in their needs wherever wherever we're at and and walk them home you know what whatever you can do to lend a hand to help to reach out and and in that process we're all walking each other back to the lord that is so that is so beautiful um that that leads me to a concern um because my mind always goes to us as a people as a collective body the church i'm concerned for for the person that is so involved in trying to create the best home here on the earth mm. that all of their time and money and energy and um, mental focus is on is on uh, the home here on earth, building and, up their own kingdom. And That's, it'll never bring satisfaction. Right, um, because um, when you just talked about walking each other home, uh, trying to minister to the needs of others when you are trying to you know fulfill your own needs when you have your your own needs um, you can't you can't do that and we're mm-hmm. so used to putting those needs first mm-hmm. and that that may come 
out of a lack of recognition, uh, even though we would say it maybe in our mind that, you know, we know there's an eternal home and we all believe in God and Jesus or whatever, mm-hmm. but have we integrated that really in our heart of hearts? Mm-hmm. If, we, if we don't truly believe that and that that's the only thing that will fulfill our need. Um, and maybe that's the right perspective to just keep in the forefront of our thinking every day when when life feels like a struggle and, and when the burdens of life just seem overwhelming. To, to remember that that we're not home and, and we're, we're not going to find peace or satisfaction ultimately we're going to have moments of peace and moments of satisfaction and and those are when his his spirit touches us and guides us and gives us a sense of purpose but that completeness uh may may never really be ours you know mm-hmm. unless we can find the the daily challenge of of not saying hey when god's kingdom comes on earth everything is going to be fine i'm just going to wait for that day well well sure that's good but, but in the meantime, I think what the Lord would probably love for us to be actively engaged in is, is walking other people home, bringing them, bringing them back to him, showing them the way, and, and deciding that whether the kingdom comes in our lifetime or our children's lifetime or our children's 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 lifetime, that, that we find ourselves doing exactly like Nephi said, who had no hope of ever seeing a Zion on earth. In fact, 600 years before Christ was when he lived and he knew he wasn't going to see the messiah in the flesh either but but what does the scripture record that his culture did they they taught of christ they spoke of christ they they acted as though he already lived among them even though he wasn't even going to be on the earth for generations and that gave them the hope that gave them the courage every day to to make this world their home in as much as we can to to make peace to, to go easy on judging each other, to, to realize that you know none of us are perfect and, and we aren't going to live perfectly. So, so to go easy on, on being critical of other people and, and just realize that he has a better home for us. And, and let's all find that path and help each other along that together. Yeah. Um, you, you told me one time uh, when you and your wife, or when you were separated because you were working somewhere and you came home, you couldn't wait to, to get with her and, and talk. And like you would sit at a table at a restaurant and um, you, you were just so excited. You wouldn't even order food for the first you know half hour or whatever. You're just talking and trying to catch up. Right. If you, you have that excitement with her because of, you know, your past, your history, all of the countless moments you spent together, you've come to cherish her and you miss her when you're gone. If you're not in that relationship with, with the Lord and you're working on that kind of relationship, then it's not exciting to be with him. Mm. You know, I'm always saying, what, what, how do we take steps? How do we, how does the person who is more interested and, and I'm talking to myself. So, so many times I'm more interested with the things in this world, you know, figuring them out than I am sometimes with just being in the spirit. I don't put mm-hmm. that, I don't value that all of the time above everything else. Mm-hmm. I just don't. There's too many mm-hmm. other enticing things. And, yeah. um, and so I'm, I'm learning painful lessons over and over, as most of us probably are. How do you, uh, how do you take those steps to to want to have that kind of like, I can't wait to, to be in fellowship with my Lord again, you know, and, and to come together and just spend time talking, you know, regardless of anything else going on. I don't yeah. Know. You know, there's different things that edify us, but, uh, but I think in, uh, in a general sense, one is, you know, get, get lost in the work of serving other people. And that, that may be, that may come several ways, you know, it might be in your family and it, it might decide that, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to put my family first rather than my, my own needs. I'm, I'm going to, you know, and it could be anything from activities you do with your children or going for a walk with your wife or just secret surprise. And Hey, you, you cleaned up the house and washed the floors and took care of everything else. And, and just did those things to relieve a little bit of burden that someone else may have thought was theirs things in our home like that. But, but also just to reach out and, Years ago, I read some uh, writings by Stephen Covey, and he talked about how life can be divided up into quadrant. If you just made a, a, a cross on a paper and you could write in one direction things that are urgent and then to things that are not urgent. And then if you wrote down the side of the paper things that are important and things that are not important, everything in life kind of falls in this category of things that could be 
urgent and important. Maybe, you know, you fell and need to go to the emergency room. That's pretty urgent and important. Things that are not urgent and not important, things on the opposite side of the, the quadrant are, are just time wasters. You know, watching Gilligan's Island reruns for the mm-hmm. fifth time. You know, you don't need to do it and it's not important. But, but this is the point where real growth occurs in life. And this is what Stephen Covey points out. And I, I think it was a marvelous insight is that the real purposeful living happens when we're doing things that are important but not urgent. You see, it's never going to be urgent to call that person who hasn't been uh, feeling well and, and say, hey, you know, how you doing? I've been thinking about you lately. Because there's always, always urgent things, paying the bills and getting to work and all those things that always seem to displace the non-urgent but important things. And uh, Covey called that living in quadrant two, this, this place where you find yourself in non-urgent but important things. It's personal growth. It's giving yourself a break from the internet and from social media and, and the, the, or binge watching TV. And it's picking up a good book and it's, it's growing your thoughts. It's growing your emotions and, and taking time to read and study. That's, that's again in the non-urgent but important quadrant of life. And so he, he recommends, and, and I've found wisdom in this, is that you seek to find those things in life that are the non-urgent but important things and do those and that's when life takes on meaning you know it's it's that reaching out to your neighbor it's it's that self-development um it's it's achieving a new goal it's it's some personal inward uh, goal that you want to set for yourself or maybe a goal for your family and it's taking time to contemplate those things that's that's when life in this world becomes bearable and and it brings meaning to sometimes things that other times can seem uh, senseless and purposeless. Mm. I think a lot of people struggle with the mon- the mundane. Mm-hmm. Um, if we really, if we really truly believe that we're created for a home other than the physical home here on earth, a home being with our Lord, we have untapped potential every day um, for growth. Um, There's no reason to be, there's no reason for this life to be mundane because we're told that there's there's this thing waiting for us, this fruit that's just better and more awesome than anything we can imagine. And most of us probably don't spend the majority of our time wishing and contemplating and longing for that fruit. Right, right. Instead, we, we spend uh, time uh, being satisfied with the crumbs, you know, mm-hmm. for the table. So mm-hmm. if we could remind ourselves every day that that's the only thing in the end, in the very end, the only thing left, the only thing that is real is this tree with this fruit, which is the love of God and, and mm-hmm. relationship with him. Mm-hmm. That's it. Nothing else matters in mm-hmm. this world. Nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. If we could keep that in our mind, how can life become mundane when we realize that, at least for me, I have got such a gap to go for just desiring that with all of my heart. Right. The Lord can take me there. And so I have to figure out how to order my life to do things that will feed that interest, will feed that desire to be with him above everything else in this world. You know, it's interesting because the people in Scripture who share this vision of this marvelous tree, it records that their very first thought was, I wanted my family to partake. You know, I wanted my sons to partake. And he sees some of them off on the other side of this gulf already, mm-hmm. and they had no interest. And and that's one of the feelings that I think when we align our life with the Lord's purpose for us in as much as we understand what that might be by, by loving others and by trying to do good in this life that the, the thing we naturally find is I want to share this I want to share it with someone else and and how we do that may change from person to person but that we start viewing people as everyone's worthy of God's love you know that person who who cuts you off on the highway and driving aggressively and those things that can cause immediate anger at a total stranger, you know, that, that, you know, you'll never see again. Those, those people who do those things, you know, that, that can seemingly just seem irrational, you know, that's a person that God loves very much as well. And that if we can view everyone we encounter in this world as someone who's needing and is worthy of God's love, 
it, it changes how we interact with people. It, it makes it easier to uh, confront the hostility or the anger or the aggression that people might show indiscriminately toward us mm. and, and, and make make it seem almost like when you are a parent and you have a young child who refuses to get in his or her, her car seat, but you as the parent know, I know they're going to protest and I know they don't like it, but this, this is good for them. You know, we can somehow, when we, when we find this fruit, that's the desirable fruit that God's love is that it makes it so that when we encounter other people who are sometimes less than charitable, um, it, it makes life meaningful in that way where we realize that no when this love when you find this in your heart it will change you too and and to, and to see people in that way that no this is what god wants everyone to experience um it, it gives a new set of goals it gives a, a new set of purpose it, it gives a new reason to love because that's what god wants everyone to experience that thing that that you know that makes you feel close to him he wants that for everybody mm. When the next time I say this, just to remind myself, the next time that, you know, you're listening to this beautiful song and the harmonies are perfect and you just are moved with, you know, deep down inside or you see a beautiful sunset or you take a, a picture of something and try to capture that moment in time. Um, remember that that's speaking to the longing to the, that beauty is showing you because you appreciate it, that you are made for something more. Mm. You're made for something more than just, just this world. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I don't know if we captured home. Uh, the other thing we, we talked about, I don't know if we have time to get into it on this episode, but the scriptures are clear and you've talked about it in your class, the final prophecy, um, that the Lord has covenants with, with a, people of Israel, that they would be brought home to their land. Yes. yes. You have a slide on one of your classes that shows this bar graph, and it shows the Jews returning home and how many, we talk about the population, how that's gone up within the last. Yeah. You know, there's an interesting scripture that uh, it's somewhat obscure, but when we look at this uh book of prophecy that's ours this book of mormon um the, the writers of this record were able to uh, sometimes see the the scriptures and see the prophecy from sort of a thirty thousand foot view and and there's a place where mormon is uh, making some editorial comments and he makes this point he says when this work this book of mormon goes forth he said that is going to coincide with the time when Israel will be about to return home to the land of their inheritance. And, and this scripture is specifically found in the RLDS version of the Book of Mormon, chapter 1, verse 82. And he says, I write to you Gentiles and also unto you, house of Israel, when the work shall commence, this work of this record of Joseph coming back to the Gentiles, when it, when it first comes back, that you, you the house of Israel, will be about to return to the land of your inheritance. Well, we, we believe that these records first came back to the this Gentile nation in the 1830s or so. And I was looking on Wikipedia, and I was just interested in the demographics of Israel. Just when the Jews, did they start returning back? And, and you look through the time after Jesus told his disciples that, Hey, the time isn't far off, and you know there isn't going to be a stone left upon another. Uh, the temple, Jerusalem, city—it's going to be decimated, and it happened. You know, about 70 A.D., the Romans who had been occupying Jerusalem—they—they, they, you know, just vanquished it, and it, this whole city that had been this mecca, if you will, of uh, the Israel's as a nation, as a spiritual uh, headquarters—it was destroyed again. And so the Jews wandered. They were they were foreigners in foreign lands, and they never had a homeland for literally almost two thousand years. Well, what's interesting is after a certain time of of uh, this wandering, almost two thousand years, that suddenly the the Jewish people by lineage started returning back to Jerusalem. And in the middle eighteen hundreds, and you can go to Wikipedia and just search. Uh, 
Jerusalem demographics. And you'll see that, lo and behold, the population of Jews in Israel started to increase suddenly. And it exactly coincided with what Mormon chapter 1, verse 82 says, when the work will commence, you will be about to prepare to the re return to the land of your inheritance. And that's exactly what's happened. Um, now, this isn't I, I'm not implying that this isn't the fulfilling of, of Zion finally, because the real fulfillment of the gathering happens when they not only return to their lands physically, but they return to Christ spiritually. And that is forecast, according to the prophecy, to happen when this Book of Mormon returns to, to Joseph, the original people, the remnant who wrote it, the, the descendants of the Nephites who we believe still live in the Americas. When they become enlightened by the words of their forefathers, that's like a branch of a tree that gets grafted back into the mother tree and brings life to it. And Joseph, as the story of Joseph is told in the book of Genesis, he's taken into a foreign land and then one day saves his family from famine. Joseph's words spiritually save Israel one day and allows them to one day return to their homeland. And it's through the work of Joseph's writings so there's power in the prophecies and there's powerful things to happen in, in, the, in the future. And we, we believe very near future when these works of God gathering his people home to the land of their inheritance is, is happening even right now, whether we realize it or not. And as I've listened to your classes and, and read and listened to you talk and teach on that, I... Um, it's so it's become so obvious that you know these physical things and and the um, the things in this world that happen are are just a similitude also of spiritual things mm -hmm. and for the Lord to get all this work to have a people and to bring them physically you know through miraculous means back to their homeland and to their physical place that um, that spiritually He is just as able to bring our spirits and our souls back to him and to draw yes. us to him. So when it says that we have a savior who's mighty to save, not only will he physically save the Jews and the Israelites and his people um, from everlasting death, but he'll, he'll save us spiritually. Amen. He'll save us spiritually. And um, yeah, as they began to gather back home, you know, I believe he's powerful enough to, to tweak my spirit and in each one of us to, to bring us back to him. Amen. Well, do you have uh, any other thoughts on home? We've probably exhausted this topic maybe, but no, it's good. I I'm glad we talked about it. I think that, uh, this Lord we have who, um, knew there was an infinite price to pay and there was only one who could, pay it, and that was the Holy One of Israel, uh, so that we could be home with him, knew how important home was, that he didn't want there to be any way that we couldn't experience it, so he paid that ultimate price so that we could have the chance to return to him one day, and uh, we're, we're thankful and grateful to our Lord Jesus Christ for paying that price on our behalf. Well, um, until next time, may we all remember to take those moments to... Uh, to spend with our Father in heaven in prayer and meditation in his words so that we can uh, each day uh, strive to see beyond the veil and um, remember that this is not reality, but our home is, we're meant to be with him. So I'm going to let these longing feelings I have just percolate within me and, and just uh, maybe just nudge me and help me remember that I'm made for something more. Amen. All right. Until next time, we will see you then.